So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, welcome back to my podcast. You've heard me talk about before that I'm an investor in tens and tens and tens of real estate tech companies, prop tech companies, other interesting businesses, a wine and tequila spirits company, all kinds of wild stuff. Today, I'm introducing you to a client and a friend who I'm now doing syndication deals with. I'm telling you this as a public service announcement to let you know straight up front that I'm super enamored by this guy and thrilled to be his business partner. So listen up, you don't have to invest in the deal, but I always gotta be transparent with you. So enjoy the show. So Eric, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah. So you, you know, you shared the stage a couple times now with us, and yep. and I look at the rooms; they're packed. Everybody wants to be a better investor. Everybody wants to to understand how to speak the language of investors, so you can, you know, add that new channel of business, or ultimately be a better investor. Help people understand your backstory, because when they hear that you're 33 years old and you own 700 units, they're like, "Would, would he buy his first one at two? Like, <laughs> like, g- give us a little context backstory before we go into like we have a lot to cover today. This is going to be one of those ones you're going to listen to twice and you're going to take notes. So okay. give them give give some context. Uh, yeah, no, backstory. I was in college. Uh, I signed up to run a, a painting business through this company called College Pro Painters. Uh, I had no money to my name. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if I have what it takes, but if there's ever a chance to take a chance on myself yeah. uh, or a time, it's right now when I'm at nothing, you know, because yeah. I, I can't go back. You can't lose, yeah. right? Exactly. Was it, was it like a franchise? It was. It okay. was a franchise. Okay. System. What did it cost? Yeah. Uh, so it cost me nothing. They just gave me 10 grand in debt. And they said, if you don't pay this back, we're going to go after you. And, you know, yes. I had to sign a line that I was, and I'm like, good luck. You know, I don't really have any assets, but I'm going to, I'm going to try. So immediately yeah. day one, you're in the hole. Yeah. They give you keys for a business. They tell you how to run it. And they say, go out, start knocking on doors, get jobs, hire people, paint houses. Turns out I made like 25 grand as a 19 year old kid that summer. Including paying off your debt or uh, total? Included, yeah. At the end of the okay. year, 25 grand in my bank Net. account. Net. All right. Know, so Congrats. Was, yeah. Actually, you know, probably uh, profit was a little, little bit more than that, but you know, spending it throughout the sure. summer. So. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, profit to me was cash in my bank at the end of the year exactly. to a 19 year old Be- kid. Before or after taxes, anybody teach you about that one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, l- I learned a lot. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, I, I was about to spend uh, that money. I, I started blowing it on dumb things and I, yeah. I went and said, hey, where, I went to my mom, I said, where can I put this money uh, yeah. where I, I'll protect myself from it? And so, um, She's like, I see successful people buying real estate. This was 2009. Uh, and so I went out, I bought a house. I looked for something that cash flowed just a little bit more than yeah. the mortgage. Yeah. Uh, and that was the formula. It wasn't anything revolutionary at all. It was like uh, wealth preservation was yes. my thought. And uh, so I did that three more times. And then, uh, you know, cause I, I, I thought the idea was, was cash flow. And so I bought properties I didn't really appreciate. And I just sat on those for a long time. And so it wasn't really till like five years ago. Okay. So hold on though, man, you're 19 years old. You you're in college. What were you studying? Uh, I was going to business school. Okay. So that makes, that gives us a little more context. And now you're also a, I see as a very competitive guy. You're, you know, you run marathons, you're super fit, married two you know, two beautiful kids. Like you got the whole package today. Was it, were you always this way? Like buying your first house at 19 does that. I bought my first house at 19, but I was like a high flying crazy sales guy. And my dad's like, you need to buy a house. I was like, are you 
kicking me out? He's like, yes, <laughs> right? Like that was part of it. So yeah. you went from one to two to then you said five years ago, you started buying a ton. Yeah. But like, I want to understand like, what was your psychology back then at 19 or 20? You're running a business, you're going to school and you're buying real estate. Like that's nuts. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've actually, I've never been like the the most talented or the smartest guy. Like I've, I've, I've always been like the hardest working though. So like yeah. I was a guy, I played hockey growing up and uh, you know, the coaches would put me on the ice, um, not when uh, we needed to score a goal, but when we needed to prevent the other team from scoring because I would go out there and work yeah. so dang hard and I'd like motivate the team to like, hey, everyone should skate as fast as Eric. But again, you know, don't yeah. pass a puck to me because I'm not going to know what to do with it yeah. kind of thing, yeah. right? He's just going to hit somebody. <laughs> kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And so that's been a lot of my life is just yeah. like getting out there and just just going for it um, and learning along the way. And, uh, you know, so I, I think that leads to also a lot of mistakes. And, and that's right. how I've picked up, you know, really where where I am is is through a lot of those ups and downs. And sure. I'm happy to share and I'm excited to share. You got pages you got pages of notes here. So let's yeah. let's go back. You were saying, but it was really five years ago. So take us yeah. take us back to five years ago. What did you mean by that? Yeah. So that's when uh, I sold my first apartment building and mm -hmm. uh, really realized as a as a broker or one that you owned. Uh, one that I owned. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had bought an apartment building with another guy, Conrad. Uh, yep. We owned it for a few years yep. and uh, we sold it and we made a million bucks on it. And you know we really didn't do that much. Yeah. It was it was crazy. Well, okay. Um, what was that like? Uh, it, it was, it just opened my eyes. I, I yeah. started realizing, I'm like, wow, you know, we, uh, um, we just kind of fixed it up a little bit over time. We didn't yep. really put any more money into it other than the cash it was generating. Yep. Um, and what it did is it turned my mind into realizing that this is more than just a cash flow game. You know, there's an appreciation game, mm -hmm. especially if you play it smart and you're buying in areas that are going up and you're, you're doing the right things, yep. uh, you know, and thinking about like, who is the next buyer and, or thinking about like, how is a bank going to think about the value of this building and how can you position this building yep. uh, to be valuable a couple of years down the road, pull your money out and then go reinvest. You know, I started thinking about like doubling time of my money rather than just like the percent cash on cash return. Yes. Someone right now is going, slow this guy down, man. He is quick, <laughs> right? Like you're dropping all these bombs. So Sorry. no, no, I love yeah. it. So, so five years ago, you and Conrad, who I know and right, JT wasn't involved then. So, yeah, right. So you guys, you bought a building how many years before? Uh, three years. So, so three years later, you sell it, pull a million bucks out. Was that including your deposit? Yeah. Uh, no. So that was, uh, that was profit that we, okay. we so made. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Million, true million dollar gain. Yes. Right. And then did you guys 1031 exchange that into something else? Uh, yes, we did. Okay. Yep. So you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, this is real. Now this is five years ago. You're at that point, you're 26, 27, 28, right? Like yeah. you're young. Yeah. And, and what are you saying to yourself at this point? And then we're going to get into a bunch of the tactics. Like, what are you saying to yourself? Like, how do I go buy a thousand of these? How do I go buy 500 of these? How do I go do 10 of these deals? What was going on? Uh, yeah, that was, uh, we're just like, how can we, how can we keep this moving? You know, yeah. it, it, we realized that there is this space, you know, class B apartments where yep. super low vacancy, uh, super high demand, very easy to wrap your mind around. A lot of banks, uh, love to finance those. Yep. So really yep. good lending terms. So, uh, we just saw that, you know, uh, it, it's a market 
market that people have been in for a long time and it's just tried and true. And, yeah. and the formula is just, you know, it, it's out there for everyone to, to go and, right. and to work. And so um, really nothing revolutionary. And so it, it's, uh, we're, we're kind of started looking at like, okay, we own a bunch of duplexes. We own a bunch of smaller stuff. How can we start selling some of those and using those as chess pieces, uh, you know, to go after some of these bigger buildings, you know? And, and I, I, I hear that a lot, but you know, it's really, um, you know, it's the whole scale thing. And what I've found out is that, you know, owning bigger buildings, it doesn't necessarily mean you get more cash flow, you know, per door. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more just like scalability and yeah. you know you can only control so many things well so you might as well control bigger things well rather than a bunch of smaller things well uh, and so that uh, you know and, and again it's you know when you get into commercial buildings it's valued based on a formula not right. just waiting for the rest of the market to appreciate right. so you have more control over some of those levers yeah um, and and again realizing uh, how much money can be made through appreciation how much faster yeah you know in the span of a couple of years you can pull your money back out rather than, you know, just waiting for cash flow over a 10 year time. Right. And, and, you know, what I'm saying right now to someone who maybe got burned in the, the recession sounds very risky. And so what I'm not saying is like avoid cash flow. You know, you still no. need something to right. cash flow. The holy positive. trifecta is cash exactly. flow, appreciation, and taxes, and yeah. then maybe a trigger whether you exit yeah. or refi. Like, like that's what you want. Correct. But yeah. what I what I am saying is that people put too much weight on yeah. on the cash flow on it. Yeah. They only pay attention to that and they don't pay attention to some of those other factors as much as they should. Yeah. I mean you met my yeah. wife. She she buys uh, A and B product duplexes mostly very expensive ones in my opinion and her yeah. whole thing is like the only thing i care about is appreciation because i know where i'm buying yes and they're going up 30 40 50 percent a year yes. right these unbelievable numbers and she breaks even on it yeah right she breaks even but but the equity that's gained yes. from these things is just monster so again yes. let let's back up um we want to help people understand how to work with investors we want to help people become better investors. Yeah. You have like five pages of notes, <laughs> right? So, sure. so how do I, as an agent, start to work with investors? Yeah, and and I think it's important to answer like the why behind that first too. Yeah, um, just because I look back at my career, and you know, I got my real estate license because I wanted to have like an in on the market. I wanted mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. deals before mm -hmm. they they hit the market. This was like 2012, 2013 yeah. when I was getting in, and uh, I had a few friends that saw me, you know, buy a duplex, and they're like, Eric, can you help me do that as well? And I'm like, well, I got this real estate license, so why not? And yeah. and it was what I realized quickly was um, I learned a lot more about the market by helping others uh, right. because it wasn't just my neck on the line, you know, it was my friends and, you mm -hmm. know, and people who trusted me. And so uh, when you have to teach something, um, you, you take it a lot more seriously. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think, in, and I talk about this with my team. So I have this brokerage, Fulton Realty in Minnesota. And um, all the time I'm, I'm talking to my agents about getting into working with investor clients and, yep. and how to work with those investor mm -hmm. clients and what to say and what's important uh, for those clients to hear from you. And uh, so I, I just think one of the biggest things that you can do to build your success in your own investing career mm -hmm. um, as an agent is, is one, right? Build the cash through through some sales, yep. through investor clients. Yep. They're amazing clients because they're, they're repeat. Uh, and when they go to maybe buy, uh, you know, that million or $2 million home, yep. um, 
they look to you. They're like, you've done a really good job helping us out. Can right. you help us go buy this other home? Well, absolutely. I specialize, you know, in investments maybe, but, but you know, no, no problem. Yeah. That's, that's an easy one for me. Was there a course you took or a training you took that gave you, like there, there's different language when you're dealing with investors than there is like helping Tom and Kathy Ferry buy a house. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, we're talking about cash on cash returns. We're talking about, you know, what cap rate and like, how did you, how did you get to understand all of that? Yeah. And what so, advice do you have for the listener? Yeah. So, you know, back, uh, back then, like the, the big thing was rich dad, poor dad. It's still right. a very popular, book, right. uh, still definitely recommended. Uh, but bigger pockets wasn't around then. Bingo. And that's, that's one of the areas that I would, I would go first, uh, to find so biggerpockets.com, which yep. I mean, all they talk about is buying duplexes and fourplexes. And I saw this kid yep. on uh, watching some interview, the kids like 22 years old, he owns like 500 units. I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. Right. But they, but they unpack how. Yes. Yeah. So exactly. And, and I think there's a ton of inspiration and you yep. realize that like, yes, this is possible for yeah. kind of anyone to do. Yeah. And there's, they lay out, uh, you know, the strategy to do that. So, um, you know, back to like in working with investor clients, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things is like, okay, how do you start working with those clients? Yeah. Where, do, where do you go to get them? Yep. And, you know, I, just brainstorming some ideas with you, go take a look at, you know, some of the, some of the transactions. If you have duplexes in your market, um, call up the agents that are, are listed on those transactions and just say, Hey, who, uh, who is the lender? I'm looking for, you know, a good right. lender that understands this and then go ahead and, you know, make your list of lenders. Um, and then go to those lenders and be like, you know what, this is uh, this is something that, uh, I I've been studying. This is something that I'm very helpful in. Uh, I can see around the corner. I understand, you know, how to, how to make sure that these deals don't fall apart and coach my clients and build those relationships with those lenders that yeah. do those types of deals. Right. Yep. Um, most cities have a rental license database where they have all of the owners is public information. Thank of, you. Of exactly. Yep. yep. And you can just call the city and say, Hey, uh, I'm looking for this database. I, I know it's public information. They'll send it over to you, you know, phone numbers, uh, names, emails, um, start calling right. uh, those people. But you and, can also get that's from like, uh, like, uh, remind. Yeah. There's, a, there's a bunch of like data solutions that you can go in and say, show me all the non-owner occupieds. Show me mm -hmm. all the duplexes that are owned by an LLC. Like there's all kinds of search queries, but I love the fact of just going right to the public data source. And, like just give me everything. Yeah. So you get this giant list, you know, there's like 12 million duplexes in the U S like it's a, it's a big number, but they're, they're yeah. concentrated right all over the place. But 12 million is a lot of doors. Yeah. I guess it's technically 24 million doors. Once you get the list, what do you do? You yeah. say, you say, call them, but like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. What, what am I saying to him? What am I asking him? What am I doing with these people? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's really simple. You know, you're calling uh, on behalf of a buyer. So you mm -hmm. know, have have mm -hmm. someone who's remotely interested in buying, yep. and you're calling. You know, wondering if they're looking to sell sometime in the next few years. Yeah. Um. You know, I've I've gotten really smart with it. When I call those people now, um, I'll actually call and say, look, I'm a fe fellow owner in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I'll give them the address of my property. Yeah. And and I'll just tell them like, hey, I'm I'm going to look to sell my property. Are you potentially looking uh, to add to your portfolio. So then it totally turns off oh, the, you like, the antennas. You reverse engineer, like you want to yeah. buy mine? Yeah, <laughs> versus, exactly. Versus and do you want me to yeah, buy so yours? I, you know, last yeah. week I called a guy um, and you know, he, he was pretty old school mentality and, and immediately picked up and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun conversation. And, and that was, you know, I'm like, hey, I own, I'm a fellow owner of yours. Mm -hmm. I own down the street and yeah. that kind of totally, you know, took the pressure him. off. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, he was, 
uh, by the end of the conversation, he's like, you know, I've had people calling me asking to sell my portfolio uh, for years. And I got, I got 25 properties all in this area. And, uh, you know, I just, I just hang up the phone and he's like, you know, I'm getting to that age where I'm actually thinking I, I probably get better to figure out what I want to do. Cause my, my family doesn't want to own these things anymore. And I, I'm, I'm past retirement age. And so, you know, if you're just a little bit creative with your conversations, you can disarm someone right. and, right. Uh, you know, you can come in and, you know, you can open up those conversations and, right. and really build a relationship. And so offering something to them, you yep. know, for sale, yeah. potentially, if you have a couple of units can, yeah. can really open the door and, uh, um, so you what might they, find a potential and, and again, you know, if yeah. you find someone they're like, no, I'm not interested in selling, you know, are you interested in buying, you know, and now you have your buyer list, right? right. And you start building that buyer list and you start matching up buyers and sellers. Um, you know, and it's, it's, a okay, I want to back up and say, what if they started first by going onto their Facebook or Instagram page or LinkedIn profile and saying, um, I am studying all of the investment properties in our local area. If you want to know about the deal of the month or the opportunity of the week, you know, send your email here and build up a list. I think most people yeah. don't know that they have potential investors that mm -hmm. are sitting on the sidelines, like a bunch yeah. of your friends that have come to you, right? That all of a sudden they go, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you legitimately have two investors, five investors, 10 investors, yeah. 20 investors that you actually know and can say, okay, well, tell me what you're looking for. What's your criteria? Do you want duplexes, multifamily? Are you looking for, you know, whatever it is. And now you're like on the phone, the person like I'm representing 20 different investors, three want this, five want this, two want this. Yeah. Do you think, uh, am yeah. I being I, crazy with that no, strategy? You know, there's a, there's an agent in my market, uh, Sam Stedman. He's a Remax guy, a yep. uh, younger guy, and he does exactly that all yeah. the time, him and his team. Yeah. And uh, it's just like, they'll, they'll say, hey, here's a great deal. Anyone looking for a deal like this or anything else, shoot right. us a message. And right. you just see the messages pile up. For sure. Yeah. For everybody wants access to deals, right? Yeah. And people are busy like, you know, like I'm busy, right? Yep. I want to know, but I'm not scanning like the MLS or like LoopNet every day. Like yeah. it's just it's just not what I'm doing. I'm waiting for someone to call and say, got a deal. Yeah. So, so one is call the owner because you're an owner. Yep. And that's a brilliant strategy, even if it's a single family residence or a duplex or whatever you own. The other one is build your list of potential investors that you already have in your database, because then you can call those owners and say, I'm representing a bunch of people. Are you interested? That's better than just, hey, have you got any thoughts of selling or you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Is there a third strategy when you're breaking into the marketplace to get in with those investors? Uh, well, kind of like what I was saying, just with the lenders, you know, I, th yeah. I think there's a lot of, yeah. a lot of angles, you know, figure out like who are the guys that are consistently in those deals. But, mm -hmm. you know, like in, in Minneapolis and I don't know, uh, you know, in, in whoever, whoever you are, wherever you're listening, if you have some networking groups, uh, you know, we, we host events and there's yeah. a lot of events. Uh, and so I think just, you know, what kind you know, of events so we're clear on what you're talking about? Uh, so just real estate investing events, you know, yeah. so, it, you know, look for one with a good speaker, with someone who, who mm -hmm. knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think just going to those and, and networking, uh, with buyers is a great way, uh, to start meeting people. And, right. And, and again, if you have a couple properties and you can go into one of those events and you can share, um, you know, you have something uh, to offer. Uh, I, that's very powerful. And I think you'll do very, very well. So I was with uh, Andy Dane Carter uh, a couple of days ago on a podcast yeah. and he talked about um, kind of a similar strategy. He said, I know the 12,000 investors in my marketplace. Yeah. 12,000, that's, like, that's a big number. And he's like, and I'm marketing to them every month, meaning like they own a duplex, a triplex, a, maybe a, an old SFR that he thinks he can like create greater yield from if he bought it and fixed and flipped or whatever, tore it down. And he's like, I'm marketing them every single month. 
Do you think, do you think for the person listening right now that once I've talked to a couple lenders and I got a context for like how the bank views an investment deal versus just buying a house, yeah. right? And, and I've maybe identified a couple of people that are my own investors potentially, yep. right? In yep. my own database. And I'm making some phone calls, to some other owners. Do you think they go that extra step? Have you done something like that where you're like, yeah. I know who owns all the investment properties in Minnesota. I'm going to market to them. Yeah. Yeah. No, and if so, so what do you market? Yeah. So we've done exactly that. We've, uh, what we did for quite a while um, is we would write, uh, we'd write letters uh, to the, the sellers and we'd have someone hand address all of the letters. Uh, yeah. So they'd be opened up and yeah. it's, it's the whole, I have a buyer campaign, yeah. you know, yeah. for your duplex. Yeah. Um, we would send them to multifamily owners. We'd segment the list people that own at least two or more. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, to try to segment out some of the owner occupied ones, because maybe right. they're a little less motivated yeah. if they live there. Yep. Uh, and we had we had a ton of success with that. You know, yeah. that would, uh, you know, we would say they're looking for a property in your in your specific mm-hmm. neighborhood, and, and there's a lot of templates out there for that. So, yeah. So I think I think that's well. And then you know we would also invite these people to our event, events. So we would have yeah. Talk events. about the events. <clears throat> yeah. So. Uh, gosh, one of our, our first events, we had this uh, this guy come in and um, he had figured out how to get to 400 units uh, by 40. And so we just said, you know, learn how to get to 400 units by 40. Yeah. Uh, we put it out there on Facebook. We advertised it. I think we put, you know, $100 behind the, the advertising. Right. We we sold tickets through Eventbrite. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. And, um, why, had, did you, why did you make them pay versus just show up? It, so very, very cheap. Yeah. Um, I but imagine. Yeah, $5, just, $10, yeah, whatever just, it is. Just, just, just commitment. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Yep. And uh, we had like 200 people show up. It was incredible. Okay. When you were doing that, like it's, every time I've said to people, hey, you should throw a, like a client appreciation party, they all say the same thing. Oh man, no one's going to show up. Yeah. Or oh, I'm going to tell them I'm going to do this mega open house. You taught me I'm going to have sushi and all this stuff and no one's going to show up. Yeah. They always show up. Yeah. Were you a little nervous with 400 people showing up or 200 people showing up? Like, re- like walk us through that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were, yeah, I was very nervous. I was like, holy cow, this is, this is very real. So, uh, it was like all hands on deck, but you know, we, what we did is we, I think we opened it up to 50 people at first and then we sold mm-hmm. out that and then we opened it up to a hundred. And so that was kind of the strategy. So we'd Got keep it. like selling out and then opening up more tickets. And okay. so it would look like the event was sold out and people would send us messages like, right. Hey, can we, yeah. you know, and so we'd advertise it like three weeks before. And so, you know, you would see how many people had RSVP'd already. Yep. And so it was kind of one of those things where you know once we got rolling with it uh you know the momentum just kind of kept carrying it and so walk us through if there was four or three phases of the event like there's the there's the meet and greet registration process there's the opening of the event there's the middle of the event there's the close the event and then there's the after event follow-up if i were to kind of look at even if, even if it was a one hour deal. Yeah. Walk us through each part of that. Yeah, so we would have a couple of people like checking everyone in and mm-hmm. then uh, we'd give them like a Fulton pen and a notepad yeah. you know, to take notes yeah. or you know, something fun. Uh, we would hire a bartender to come in and, and serve some drinks so we'd have an intentional So like, it, was a mor- it was a morning function. Uh, <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. Yes, uh, and uh, and and what we do is, you know, we'd have some good food, we'd have some yeah. good drinks, we'd yeah. have like a half hour of of networking. We'd have people put a name tag on and like what part of the city that they lived in. So there's like an instant kind of uh, right. icebreaker type yeah, yeah, yeah. of thing, so people yeah. could go around and meet each other. Uh, and then, um, you know, we would we'd bring in a speaker, so that way, you know, we could draw people in uh, yep. rather than just like some like salesy topic, like learn how to do this, like. Yeah. 
No, like learn the story of this person, yeah. you know, and, and something kind of catchy. And then at the end we'd have, have Q and A. And what we would do is we'd do, we'd bring in like three speakers. So once a month, and then on the, the fourth month, um, I would be the speaker. And so what, what ended up happening is we'd build all this like loyalty trust. It was like, mm-hmm. give, give, give. And then when I was the speaker is more, it was more like, Hey, this that is what we're doing. Time for the ask. That was yeah. the ask. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you want to, you know, learn more about getting into investing, like my team is here everyone yeah. raise your hand, like come talk to us, come find us. And like, we will, we'll help you get started. And we got a ton of clients. Oh my way. God. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I, it's interesting. Cause when you said, you know, alcohol and food, I thought that would be at the end. You're like, no, I'm going to liquor them up, <laughs> yeah. give them some food. Then I'm going to educate them. Yeah. And I love the fact that you played the long game that it, that it was just give, 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 give. Yeah. Hear all these other people's stories. And then we, we listen to the story and we're like, Oh, I can, I can see myself in Eric. I can see myself in Katie. Like if she can do yeah. it, I can do it. Yeah. And then, so you, you would do three of those in a month or you do th- like, like one once a month. A, yeah. Like one yeah. A month. Yeah. So you go three months where the room's getting bigger, where they're getting smaller, where they're getting more refined. So when you finally did the ask, like, yeah. how did that work out? Yeah. Yeah. No, they were just getting bigger. Um, you know, and, and every be- event was kind of building, you know, we were at the time we were renting space in WeWork, So we were capped yeah. like a couple hundred people. So yeah. we, we actually did eventually have to cap the events. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And, and again, it was one of those like culture building things like for my team, uh, it was a way for us to get out there, everyone on my team and and start talking about investment properties. Um, you know, and it was a way for us to align ourselves with some people that are doing some pretty cool things in our marketplace too. Uh, so, and you know, it was, it was just giving back and there was, there was a lot of other agents that came to our events and actually some of of like the best Mm -hmm. agents on my team. Now I actually met that from our events that came. Really? They were just more investor minded. They were exactly. And, and they saw like, look, they didn't have to do, you know, anything to come to the events. Like it was, it was all give and, uh, you know, everyone that came they would register on Eventbrite. So we had their emails, we had their contact info. So we weren't like trying to get contact info as they're walking in or anything. And if they weren't registered, we'd make them register on an iPad. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so we knew everyone that was there too. So when you did the the final, you know, the, not the final, because you obviously continue to do these, but when you did the yeah. the ask, um, did you also tell your story and then do the ask? Correct. Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. And and really, you know, it, like uh, I've added a ton of properties in the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm right. thinking like this is all pre-COVID when we did all of this. And, yep. um, you know, I was building and I, I had a pretty interesting story of how I was building. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't wasn't the coolest story out there. At least to me, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, I, but I you lived it. Yeah. yeah. The rest of us are like, how'd you get to 700 years? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You're 33 years old. Like, how'd you do that? So, so you, you tell some stories, kind of case study, you know, like yeah. before and after, this is what I look for. This is how we look, you know, like you're, you're probably doing some educational work like that. Yeah. And then I would actually like take people through like, Hey, this is my next move. This is what I'm thinking yeah. about. Like I'm looking yeah. at like these two commercial yep. buildings. These yep. are my options. Yep. Like, Hey room, like, what do you right. think I should do? Right. These are the pros and cons. Yep. And then, you know, I, I would have people, it'd be kind of interactive a little bit. And then I would walk them through like my logic. Like, this is why I'm actually going after this deal. Yeah. And, and yep. you know, so like case studies and yeah. uh, that 
that worked super well. And we'd have people that stick around, we'd wrap up our events and, and people would just stick around and yeah. hang out and network and, yeah. and people just kept coming back and they would bring friends. And, and I, I, you know, it was because like they kept coming back that I thought we were probably doing something right. Yeah. Um, I think of uh, Laura McGuire who might be listening to this from Southern California who's one of our team, uh, team clients. And she actually took a bunch of team leaders through this where she's like, Okay, this is the first one I bought, and here's why I bought it. It was a C minus set of units, and da 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 da. She goes, This is my first baby. And she literally had a map, not a map, but like a yeah. big visual of like, Here's the first one, here's the second one. And she got to like the, the 16th building that she had acquired. Yeah. And she's like, uh, Do you remember that? I'm looking at Brian, who's off camera here. Like, she literally walked through case study examples of this one was this part of town. I was a little bit nervous about this, but you know, like the people were wonderful, and I fixed it up, and here's how I did it. Everyone sat there in the room just going, shit, okay, this is not that complicated. Yeah. It's it's set an intention, know why you want to do it, learn some of the language, and then go roll up your sleeves and go look at deals. Yes. Right? Like sh she was going from, you know, Southern California to Tennessee to buy all these deals and she's bought a ton, like I wanna say it's like 16, 16 or 17 buildings. Remember that presentation? Like it was over the top. Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work in the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. Okay, we've given them a ton of value on for the listener of things that they can do, right? Sure. To, to become better. Yeah. Let's talk about actually being an investor. Sure. Right. Let's get into your mind. Like, you know, tell them about the Houston property or the deal you're just down in Austin looking at, or the last deal that you did that maybe had some hair on it. Like educate me as an investor. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the important, important points I wanted to make was like how I learned that I'm not just a cash flow investor. And, and so yeah. I think I want to talk about like one of the mistakes that I made. Yeah, please. Um, and that was, uh, buying a portfolio of 16 properties in Cleveland and, yeah. um, nothing. Sorry, sorry, Cleveland, nothing wrong with Cleveland. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. you know, my motivation was it had like the best price to rent ratio in the country, meaning you could buy yeah. them for cheap. We'd right. buy these properties right. for like 30 grand a piece. Um, and you'd rent them out for like seven, eight hundred bucks. Uh, which is an incredible math. Yep. And it's like, you can't lose. You know, yeah. you own this for a couple of years and you'll be able to buy another one. Um, but the problem is, uh, you know, in the submarket of Cleveland, uh, declining population. So people were moving right. out. Uh, and that is a problem because that uh, really hits your vacancy. And vacancy right. is the most expensive thing in real estate. And yep. even, um, you know, we own these properties uh, f uh, free and clear. So myself and another guy. Mm -hmm. um, but we couldn't make money. Uh, yeah. Even not having the vacancies. Yeah, yeah, because you know we'd have vacancies or people weren't paying rent, and you'd have eviction costs, and then you'd have turn costs, and then you'd have release costs, and then higher insurance, and all of those things. And so, um, you know, I was going after them uh, purely because of cash flow, and the cash flow looked incredible, mm -hmm. um, without considering at all what the appreciation might be. And so, owning yeah. them for three years, not really making money, and and really, you know, we could have been successful, but it would have taken a lot of time and effort that yeah. I just wasn't willing to put in. Yep. Uh, and so uh, realizing that you can really, you know, and again, you know, after flipping some apartment buildings, realizing the potential of appreciation and some of those levers, those forced appreciation, mm -hmm. um, 
I realized that there's a lot more money on the table there. You know, we got out of that that portfolio, pretty much sold it for what we bought it for. Yeah. Um, but it, one of the net, most important net, lessons. Net probably lost because of the, you know, correct. lack of rents, right? But in and out. Yeah, correct. You know, but again, yeah. I'm very thankful for that because sure. it, there's so many things that it, it taught me. And so, you know, that's where I, I've come to the realization that, you know, really like pay attention to the trends, pay attention to where yeah. people are moving. Cause when, right. where people are moving, housing is scarce. When housing is scarce, like this is more basic supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, you know, people like to throw in all these extra, you know, uh, factors, but yeah. you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's more supply and demand. You know, there's not enough housing, rent is going to go up. Uh, right. When rent goes up, your value goes up. Uh, when rent goes up, your cash flow goes, goes up. up. You know, it's, so yep. even if you're buying in an area that is very hot, uh, you know the logic of like, oh, I can't buy there because it's hot right now, and everyone thinks about it. You know, it is just a way to sit on the sidelines forever. Yeah. Um, you know, and so for for me, I think one of the most important things, like you know, Conrad, my business partner, kind of my main guy that I've been investing with for years, we talk about is if the deal makes sense, uh, if it can cash flows and it, it hits the numbers that we need to and, and it's in an area that we think is appreciating, we buy it and we don't get too concerned about what the previous owner bought it for three years ago and how right. much money that they're making. Right. We don't get too concerned about, you know, the guy that bought a deal, uh, you know, on the other side of the street for maybe $10,000 less per door. Yeah. Um, good for him. He got a great deal. You yeah. know, we're getting a good deal too, especially if you look two, three years from now of where things are heading in this market. That's the thing. Like, um, talking with Andy yesterday, I said, you know, my mentor, his boss, um, bought a building in Los Angeles called One Santa Monica Place. And it was like a $350 million deal. The guy was 70 when he bought it. Yeah. Right. And my mentor is like, you're out of your mind. This is crazy. Why are you doing this? And he said, hey, in 20 years, this is going to be a deal. Yeah. Now, five <laughs> years later, it was worth more than what he paid for it. Yeah. Right. 20 years later, and it's not like we're not even at the 20 year mark yet. It's, it's probably gone up twice in terms of value just because yeah. it's in the heart of Los Angeles, you know, right off the 405 freeway as you enter Beverly Hills. Yeah. Right. Location, location, location. Yes. So, so you say if the math is right and we think it's in the path of progress, or we think we're going to get appreciation, then we buy it because we're going to make money, whether it's right now or in the next three years, tell us the mistakes to avoid, right? You started going there with like, avoid the, you know, Hey, if the market's going the wrong direction, direction, but what other mistakes have you found that people make when they're buying their first duplex, fourplex, eightplex, twentyplex, hundredplex? Yeah, give us so, like the rattle off a bunch of them. Like, what yeah. are all the things that they need to be paying attention to? Yeah, so you know, we bought a building in Dallas, and we told the owner uh, that hey, we need the occupancy to be at ninety four percent for us to close on the loan that we're we're getting, and mm -hmm. it was at like you know eighty something, and so he just he just filled it up. You know, took no security deposits. Oh, Whoever yeah, yeah, came yeah. in first, we, yeah, we we inherited uh, some really tough people, and again, yeah. that is that is very expensive. So uh, understanding like the quality of the tenants that you're buying right off the bat, um, you know, is important. And you know, do they mm -hmm. have uh, security deposits? Right. Right. And, uh, you know, had they been screened? You know, mm -hmm. so what are you actually inheriting? Is is one of those things that I think not a lot of people look into. Yeah. Um, How do you do that? Them. How do you do that? <laughs> Uh, well, just kind of like I, I said, you know, look mm -hmm. at, uh, you know, pay close attention if they're a new tenant, like mm -hmm. pay close attention. Like did, did they pay the first month rent mm -hmm. and when did they pay the first month rent? Yep. Uh, you know, and, and what is their security deposit and how does that compare to mm -hmm. the, you know, the rest of them? What um, about like credit checks and all that kind of stuff? 
uh, yeah. So understand, making sure that mm-hmm. they went through the proper yeah. um, checks, you know, and, and did they hold the same standards, you know, for the people that, yeah. that they filled it for, especially if, you know, you're in a situation like that. Um, you know, I, I think another thing that like we've avoided is, uh, so we're investing in the Houston market. You know, we bought two buildings in Conroe, Texas, and mm-hmm. uh, we were looking at two other deals there. But, you know, one of them was right on the this railroad and barbed wire right alongside the building and yep. just a really uh, kind of industrial, not so nice area. So just because an area is growing really fast, like the Houston market and especially a submarket like Conroe, doesn't mean that uh, you're buying a building in a desirable area in that location, you know, and, and tenants may not want to necessarily rent there. So really focusing in on that hyper local, just like you were talking about with that, yeah. that Santa Monica deal, you know, yep. because of its location, yep. specifically where it is, there's a lot of value, you know, so don't just take that broad brush approach. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I also, I made the mistake, I invested in uh, a syndication, probably like six years ago, uh, it was a guy, it was his first deal. He had never really done real estate, but he came from this real estate family and, and his his dad had a big name in real estate like property the, management. Like the pedigree, but he didn't have the personal experience. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was kind yeah. of a goofball, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and when he walked in the room and I could tell he hadn't showered in two weeks, that should have been the first <laughs> trigger, you know? But I'm like, I'm like, this is really- Maybe weird. he's a savant. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? you know? But, but uh, you know, and, and so I, I even think about like how, in because I've talked, I'm in invested in that and, and only, you know, 30 grand. Um, yeah. so not losing my retirement and, yeah. and I have a few other friends that it, had invested in that and, uh, told me about it. And, and so I, I got into it as this new development and in a good area. Uh, but it just hasn't really turned out it, you know, good area, good building, but the wrong operator. Right. And, um, you know, how could we have known, um, you know, what the right operator is. And so we've had a lot of those discussions. It's like, how do you vet it out? Well, first of all, like him running it without having the experience, you know, just trusting the family name yep. um, was not the right approach. And then, you know, really, I, I think about it, like if I'm going to invest in someone's syndication, I want to know like how much of your own money are you putting into it? Right. And then who are the other investors you're bringing along? You know, are mm-hmm. they family, their friends, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and calling some of those people and understanding like, okay, um, you know, like, who are you? How much are you putting into this? You know, what's your connection? Um, you know, so kind of vetting out uh, some of that. And, and we got brought into the deal late in the game. So they had mm-hmm. fundraised money, they had built it, but they were, you know, they needed to fundraise more. We sh- that should have been a red flag of like, why do you need to raise more money when it's already built? Like what, right. what is going on? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah. You what's, know, so, so again, you, you yeah. look back, yeah. 2020 vision, but yeah. um, you know, so I don't know, hopping around to a couple different, yeah, different things, but. What about, um, like, tell us about a building that you bought <laughs> Then afterwards you're like, whoops. <laughs> okay. You know, maybe I, maybe you didn't do enough due diligence. Maybe you didn't, you know, walk the property enough. Maybe it was just too, you know, like look too good to be true. And then you found out that it wasn't. You ever, have you had one of those yet? Uh, yeah, yeah. There was, there was definitely, um, uh, there was one building where, you know, we, we bought it and there were no, uh, sh- you know, it was 24 units and there's no water shutoffs to any of the units. So, you know, you had to turn off the entire building uh, <laughs> if you wanted to change out one sink, you know, oh. or, you know, so it just, it just like, <laughs> Slightly inconvenient. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so le- yeah. that's like one of the simple things. It's like we're right. buying something now. Like, does it have water shutoffs to each of the units? Right. right? You know. Right. So just uh, maybe some some things like that. Or you know, there was a, a time where we had a. Um, this is kind of a, a funny story. Now it wasn't so funny at the time. Uh, we had inherited this this uh, property manager. Or really, it was it was a, a caretaker, and mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, there was this complaint of you know someone was smelling weed down the hallway, and it's 
stunk really, really bad. And they're like, it's coming from this unit. And, and, you know, we send someone over there, you know, the caretaker to check it out. And she's like, no, it's not coming from that unit. It's definitely yeah. not. And, and we're like, we're pretty sure we get like five complaints that it's that door. And after like three times we send someone else and they're like, yeah, it's definitely that unit, but you know, that's the caretaker's uh, dealer. So, you know, <laughs> so she didn't we give to, him a pass. Yeah. 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 And so it's just like, you know, reading between the lines a little bit, you know, yeah. and it's just like, okay, well, we like that caretaker, but now you got to go and yeah. now that person has to go. And, you know, so it's just some of those like funny things that are, yeah, really not so funny, but you know, you just got to, um, kind of use some common sense and, yeah. and read between the lines a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you only get common sense after you've made the wrong, like I think about the first, uh, the second investment property my wife and I bought together, we bought it in 08 in an area that had expanded dramatically, like in a condo conversion. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we're getting it for a really good deal. We thought yeah. by, by the time we closed, it was worth less. A year later, it was worth dramatically less. And then the tenant left and we just were like, oh man, like that was just such a mistake. We thought, sometimes we think price is the only determining factor of a good deal. Yeah. And we missed all the things like where it was located. It was a condo conversion. Not saying all condo conversions are bad, but like in that yeah. area, they did so many of them. It just... It was, it was just a mistake. Yeah. You know, we lost everything on it. Not yeah. not our entire net worth, just we lost everything <laughs> on the deal, right? Yeah. So like, I think you, you sometimes have to make those mistakes. Like you mentioned earlier, like starting your first business in, in college. Yeah. Like, well, I have nothing. So, you know, if I lose a little, like who cares? Because I don't have anything. Yes. A lot of the people listening have more. Yes. Right? They've been making a ton of money. They've been, you know, a great client of ours or maybe just someone that's just listening to this and maybe they're 25 and they've made a fortune in crypto and they're like, yeah, I probably need to like diversify a little bit and get into some real estate. So they don't want to make those mistakes. Yeah. So you've given them a bunch of the mistakes. Talk about how to do it right. Flip it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that is like why I love real estate. When I was talking about like losing and, and going nowhere, like that's starting a painting business, starting in debt, like very right. risky thing. And, right. and even like my worst real estate deal, uh, you know, what I was talking about with Cleveland, I, I pretty much just stayed neutral. And, yeah. and to me, like that was a loss, but that's yeah. also kind it's of the- It's time and money, yeah, right? So the, it's a, the, yeah. the beauty of real estate, I, I think about it, you know, I've read some books on like, like old money, like how does like money last for- for hundreds of years, you know, like mm -hmm. what is the investing philosophy that someone that needs to keep their money for 200 years, yeah. how is that different from someone who's just planning for their own retirement? Yeah. And how does that look? And yeah. it usually looks like a lot of real estate. I was just thinking all of Europe. Yeah. Like if you go to Europe, like a buddy of mine rented a chateau in Lake, uh, Lake Lugano and the family owns like three houses on this street, these giant, like 10,000 square foot, magnificent old, you know, grand properties looking down at the lake. And they're like, well, you can lease the property, but the minimum lease they would do is 10 years. Yeah. Think about that. You're leasing a house <laughs> yeah. and the minimum we do is 10 years. And the three or four houses that they own had been in the house, been in the family for like 125 years. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's like the third generation now is taking the lease on these deals and they, don't, they own nothing on them. Yeah. Like, so I hear that, I think, but how does that translate to the person listening right now that maybe is thinking about a three to five year deal? Yeah. Or their yeah. own, their own personal finances. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, I, I think, uh, the important thing is, you know, y you start small. Uh, I've, I've met so many people that are like, you know what, I, I want to get into this and I just want to go big right away. I just right. want to save up. I want to buy an apartment building. And, and I, I think, um, uh, I think going after that yourself is, yep. is kind of a mistake yep. because the people, the people that buy apartment buildings, it's because they started with duplexes and they've 1031 yeah. into those. They right. don't right. save it's up monopoly. Money. Yeah. yeah. It kind of, like I said, nobody, saves up the money to buy an apartment building. They, they trade yeah. 
up to do yep. that. Say um, that again. Say that's a very important distinction. Yeah, nobody nobody saves the down payment to buy an apartment building. Right. It just doesn't happen. They 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 trade up. Yep. Um, you know, or they pool together with investors. Yeah, a syndication. You know, right. Something like that. So so yeah, I, I think. Uh, Did you, you guys know, hear that? I'm looking at like right a couple of my uh, my teammates <laughs> over here. Like hello, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, a couple ways to start. There, you could also you know invest uh, in a syndication. Um, but one of the problems, and I've invested in a lot. There's a lot where it's like you know, give us your money, we'll give you a return. And, you know, it's kind of like put your money into this black box and it, it spits out. Um, and, you know, that I think could be a okay, big it spits miss. out spits out cash. It spits out cash. Yeah. And you yes. get a tax deduction yes. and hopefully if they refi, you get a trigger and you get appreciation. So yes, yeah. yes, it, it, it is good. But yeah. like we're talking about learning. Right. right, and we're talking about right. like getting that experience. Yeah, and um, you don't get to get into the weeds and get get educated from correct. that person. They're just like, here's your money, here's your return. Yeah, and that's okay. great. And for a lot of people, uh, that's exactly what they need. Mm -hmm. You know, they need a good tax benefit, and, right. and that's what they should do. Right. Um, but I, you know, if we're talking to people that you know, again, they built some money, they can't lose, but they, you know, I, I think people need some experience and need some confidence. Right. So if you're going to do that route, you know, make sure you're working with a, a syndicator or someone that has an experience of, of being able to. Teach Teach you being, you know, has the time, the capacity, and right. way to bring you along the journey a yeah. little bit because there are definitely people that have that heart right. um, and can and can do that. Um, but again, you know, I, I think it's it's start small, buy a duplex, you know, yep. buy a fourplex, right. uh, and then think about your doubling time. Think about like, what do you mean uh, doubling time? A doubling time is is when can you take that property and, and double it, make it mm -hmm. turn it into two. So yeah. essentially, pull your down payment mm -hmm. out of it. And yep. buy another one. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times that happens much, much faster through appreciation, through right. doing a couple little upgrades to a property in a hot area mm -hmm. than it does through saving the cash flow of that property. So if you turn your mindset to that, um, then you start looking at the landscape as like a land grab. Uh, right. And, you know, right now, I, I think people, especially, uh, you know, we talk about it. You and me are young. You, you say I'm really young. You say you're young. Yep. I agree with, yeah. with both of those yes. statements. Uh, you know, it, right now is like a land grab. It's mm -hmm. go out there, acquire, and later in life you can switch to more of a cash flow play. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you do things where you know maybe you have a little bit lesser of mortgage. You're just paying down properties and you're focused more on cash flow. But yeah. there's so much wealth I think going to be created. You know, over the next decade. I interviewed uh, Ivy Zellman a couple days ago, and we we're talking about like so Ivy's like the Oracle of housing, right? She's, so she's talking about the 9% additional transactions that were done in the U.S. above and beyond what happened in 2020, which was a record year. She said, but the 9% difference was almost all investors. And we were referring just to SFRs, right? Single hmm. family, right? And she said, the vast majority of them are all these giant hedge funds that are saying blue collar workforce housing, 250 to 450 rents at X amount of dollars and they're just buying 75 a month from one broker in, in one city, 75 a month from another broker and 75 a month like in all across the US, mostly in sand states, right? Yeah. Mostly in sand states and their mindset's the same. She, I said to her, do you think any of these investors are like nervous about, you know, what's to come? And she's like, if you buy right and you hold forever and you get rent, who cares? Like yeah. that was basically her response. She's like, they, yeah. they're, they're not buying all these properties today thinking it's gonna go down in value. No, they're thinking the migration pattern just of the last 20 years from call it the north to the south, yep. right? You know, colder to sand states. Yep. She goes, that's going to continue. 
It's going to continue to drive all the things that we're discussing in terms of appreciation, less housing. She's like, it's a no brainer. So you're like, we're seeing it on this scale that's actually, and I say this with a lot of respect, it's hurting a lot of residential agents that are doing this. We're talking about a different land grab, which is the land grab of multifamily. Yeah. How much of multifamily today is owned by, or, or being like you're up against hedge funds versus other syndicators versus mom and pops. Yeah, so right now, like a lot of the stuff I'm buying is, uh, you know, like sub 200 units. Uh, so a little bit too small for some of those big uh, yeah. hedge funds. Isn't so, that amazing to think yeah. less than 200 units is just a little too small for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So perspective, perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's it's mostly just like individual investors and yeah. like small groups of, of buyers. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's been really fun to play in that space, and especially because we're bringing some things to our deals that are a little bit different than right. how people are normally thinking about right. it, such as solar, you yes. know, and, and being able to, you know, take a deal that is pretty good and make it very good, you know, through some tax. I wasn't sure if you were going to bring this up because I wanted to talk about the model, right? Because yeah. so, you know, like everyone knows I'm an investor with you in these things. We're talking buying C property, right? Which is like mm -hmm. you know, A, B, and C, C property. And I love the from C to clean. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like we're, we're taking yeah. the C and making them clean. Yeah. So give us an example, like talk about the Houston deal or another deal that, that you're doing that where you've had that experience and then what are all the tax savings and ways that you make that property more valuable? Yeah, so I, I think uh, I'm gonna talk about it on a little bit smaller scale. So a sure. 10 unit, because yeah. I, I, I want people not to miss this because it works on smaller deals. Yeah. Could it work on a duplex, yeah. so fourplex, yeah. but you know. But We're doing this on a you know 90 unit yeah. deal, but but on a 10 unit deal in yeah. St. Paul, Minnesota, um, we added solar. Yep. Uh, so we spent about 87 grand mm -hmm. uh, adding solar and a lot of the upgrades, you know, the panels. Um, part of that upgrade was also, we gave every single unit air conditioning. They used to have little window AC yeah. Uh, you know, and I know that's maybe a little foreign in Texas, you know, yeah. like you don't have your own dedicated thing. Well, we'll in Minnesota, you don't necessarily need that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but is more valuable. So yes. <clears throat> with an $87,000 investment into yep. solar and electrical and AC upgrades, uh, we were able to take a 26% tax credit yep. on, on all of that. So a tax credit at the end of the year. So let's just think about it. Like, uh, you know, we get, we spend a hundred bucks. Uh, the government sends us 20, you know, 26 six bucks, you know, and the tax yeah. credit back, yep. uh, you know, to finance that we, you know, we put 20% of the cost of that in. So we get a 6% Delta back. Yep. Uh, so it's like infinite returns, yep. you know, kind of right off the bat. Yep. We're able to cut our electricity uh, expense about 15%. So that, that hits Big our savings. Yep. yep. And then we're able to increase the rent of these units because they now have AC. So we were able to bring in about 17 grand um, extra per year on our PNL. Yeah. Uh, which per door? <clears throat> For the whole building, for yeah, this the whole unit. building. Yep. yep, yep. For this, this. Yep. So not crazy numbers. So eighty-seven thousand right. dollars brings in an extra seventeen. You're like, okay, big whoop. Mm -hmm. But when you consider the value of the building, right. you know, based on the the five cap rate that we right. bought that, yep. um, you know, it's actually a five and a half cap. Um, that added about three hundred and twenty thousand dollars of value to the building. Yeah. And on a one point two million dollar building, that's like our down payment. Right. So now, right. you know, we, we spend this money, yeah. we're able to finance it and get a tax credit back and get paid to do this. And now we're able to go cash out, get our, our full down payment mm -hmm. back, pay our investors back and yep. go buy another building. And now we own this thing. We're not into it for anything. 
Um, and you know, we're making more money on the building and it's just through using you, you say like, that so fast, like it's so easy, but I know cause you've I, I, done I it so many yes. times. Um, <clears throat> but here's the thing. It yeah. really is not like it, yeah, it's a process and of you got to understand the process yeah, and you got to go yeah. through the work. And yeah. it's just like, you know, as an agent, if I were to go out to one of my clients and be like, Oh, you know, selling a house is easy. You just do this, 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 and yeah. this. And like to us, it's like, it is easy. It is easy. You it, you but know, to a client, you're like, Holy cow, I'm definitely hiring you because everything you said is way over my head yeah. but you know you and i both know like yeah. you just need to do it a couple times and pretty soon you know with the right coach and mentor yeah it actually is easy it's just yeah. a process and, and yeah. a lot of this too and and the thing is the playbooks are all out there i know you i know, know it, I it's know. that's that's the thing like the information's everywhere okay yeah. uh four years ago we're at a team retreat in huntington beach california and for fun i brought my tax guy there yeah. now my tax guy is very unique in that he has a personality he is a great communicator, but he's wicked smart when it comes to the, the tax worlds, yeah. right? So he's asking everybody in the room, how many of you own a building, right? And one of them, Doug, had just, you know, Doug Edmonton raised his hand. He goes, well, I just bought a building. He's like, you should do a cost segregation study. Yeah. And I watched everybody in the room go, cost segregation study. <laughs> and then he says, and let me explain. So would you explain to the person, what is a cost segregation study? Approximately how much does it cost and what, what happens when you do that on a building? Yeah. So uh, I, I just think we there's like a 50 unit building in Waco, Texas. Right. Um, we're paying uh, somewhere around like 10 grand for this cost segregation study. It's going to save us uh, probably, uh, I don't know, like 60, 70 grand in taxes, like uh, right. right off the bat year one. All it's doing is, you know, you 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 depreciate an asset over yep. a certain amount of time. Yep. Uh, cost segregation just allows you to shorten that window yeah. and do most of your depreciation right up front. Right. Um, and by the way, like, you know, especially if you're in like an opportunity zone, uh, like yeah. it, it, there's some insane yeah. benefits uh, here. Um, but uh, what's the benefit of that? Well, you you pay way less taxes today. Right. So you're able to invest that money and buy another building you yeah. know, uh, today and start buying, getting in on another building on today's prices instead of two years from now prices. Right. Uh, start making money on that. And so it's, um, you know, it's just a way to grow exponentially and especially with uh, being an agent uh, and your income, yep. you know, coming from real estate. Right. Now, let's say you you actually make money on a building, but you show a loss. You know, that building in St. Paul. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm showing a loss. We're we're cash flowing very well, but I'm showing a loss. And so now I, mm -hmm. I take this loss on that building and I apply it towards my other income. You know, yep. my income. You know, as a, a real estate agent, and so yep. I can offset a lot of my other yeah. income. All legit, all typical, yes, all yes, very normal yes. in the tax code. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just playing by the rules that are written. Right. So uh, it, now I'm able to just keep more of my money in investing. And now, of course, you're not avoiding taxes. You're just you're just you know deferring yeah. them. Right. But but again, it's the power of having your cash and being able to invest that now Bingo. rather than than later. And, Bingo. Um, it, it's like anyone who is you know well into this business and, and making uh, some decent money. If you're not investing in real estate and taking advantage of things like cost segregation studies, mm -hmm. you are leaving so much on the table. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so we you and I could sit here for like seven more hours. You know what I mean? Just like, what about this? And what about yeah. that? What about this? And and one of the commitments that we've made in this partnership is that we're going to do more education work. We're going yeah. to do more training. We're going to give people more exposure. Um, so how should somebody, if they wanted to connect with you, they wanted to hear more about you and what you're doing and what we're doing together, how do they reach you? 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think Instagram is one of the yeah. the first places. Yeah. Like that's where um, you know putting a lot of content, and yeah. so uh, you know, if you like, you are doing a ton of just like let me explain how to do this deal. Let me tell you about the. I mean, like I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I've, I've, I've taken the models that, that you put out there, Tom. <laughs> Educational marketing, brother. Yeah. Like, that's what it's about. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so what's your uh, Insta handle? Uh, so, it's just my first and last name. So, okay. Eric underscore Eichhoff. Okay. Yeah. All right. You might want to spell that one. Yeah. E-I-C-K-H-O-F. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. You're Italian, right? Uh, German. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm busting your chops. Eichhoff. It just yeah. sounds so Italian. German, <laughs> the language of love. Right. That was my buddy who's German once said that. He said, German, the language of love. Okay. So they should reach you there. Um, two or three books that they should read. And besides Bigger Pockets, where else should they go if they want to go deeper on content? Yeah. So there's a, there's a book called uh, Family Fortunes that I think is fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, it was written in 2012. And so they're, you know, they're kind of predicting a little bit more of, uh, you know, is after the downturn and sure. they, they think things are going to keep heading south. So there's some stuff that turned out not to be so true in there. Sure. But there's a lot of like really interesting content just to think about like, how does true old money think and yeah. how do they invest? And it's not a real estate investing book. Yeah. Um, but it's just a mindset. It's kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like the rich dad, poor dad, yeah, bigger exactly. pocket stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, for me, I'm just, um, uh, you're not, I don't think you're going to really like this, Tom, but like, mm -hmm. I'm not a necessarily like a big goals person. I don't like mm -hmm. wake up and think of my goals. I think more about like my habits. Like yeah. what are the things that yeah. like, if I just fall back on, like I will guarantee like, you know, hit a path that yeah. I want to hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, you think of like atomic habits, you think of like yep. the, the power of habit by yep. Charles, Charles Duhigg. Uh, you know, I think those are, are huge. And then, um, you know, really, uh, like Donald Miller building a story brand is spot the on best marketing book. And then, yeah. you know, I, I think, uh, you know, my, probably my favorite, like inspirational book is, is probably shoe dog. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Phil, yeah, 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 yeah. The Nike, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it yeah. just brings in like, like I was just such a different. You know, you're like, you yeah. know, bigger pockets, and then Atomic yeah, yeah. Habits, and then you know, Shoe Dog. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it's important to have fun. You know, when you're listening, right. you know, not just like yeah. inspirational stuff. I agree, and, and it's everything until he, uh, he he went public, and it's all yeah. like the uh, you know the behind the scenes and, and like what it. It's like, the really grind, took. right? It's the, the story, yeah, right. And and the the You know, he was a he was a runner, and he was a competitive you know athlete. And so yep. there's just, to me, like a lot I could um, resonate with, uh, you know, and he ties that into business and, yep. and it's, it's just, uh, it's fun and inspirational. So I interviewed uh, Tim Grover on my podcast and, uh, you know, Tim is just, who's Michael Jordan's trainer, Kobe Bryant's trainer. And the, the, he tells the story of like walking into Michael Jordan's house. And the first thing Jordan did was look down and see that he was wearing Converse. And he's like, yeah. take those off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Phil and I would love that story. Yeah. Okay. So as we wrap up, they should follow you on Instagram. They absolutely, I'm, I'm an Amelia get today. Family fortunes. That's a killer one. All the other yeah. books I, I have, I have the shoe dogs book. Um, I actually flew on Phil Knight's plane once, which was super interesting. I'll tell wow. you that story later. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. People want to get better. There was a lot covered on this. What I would tell people is you probably need to listen to this two or three times. You definitely need to follow him on Instagram. You need to start looking at what are successful people doing? He is an excellent role model. Maybe, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's like have your 20 year old, right? Listen to it. Have your 25 year old listen to it. I'm looking at these two over here. Like are your brains popping just a little bit over there, right? At 23 and 25, like Mr. House hacker, get ready to buy your first house. Like, like, you can do it. I guess that's the message I want to say to people. You can do it. Just like you learn how to listen to real estate, this is the same. It's a little bit different language. It's maybe some different contracts, some different legalese, but you can do it. And I just encourage you to start. 
Make sense? Yes. Closing thoughts? Um, gosh, I, I mean, so much of what you just said, Tom, it, it's like, uh, don't worry about like hitting a home run on your first deal. No. The, the people that have made the most money just focus on base hits. Bingo. You know? and, and that's really all I focus on still. Yeah. Singles yeah. and doubles, brother. Singles yeah. and I'm, I'm a big fan. Singles yeah. and doubles. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Yeah. Make sure you follow him on Instagram, like, subscribe, ring the notification button or however you're listening to this or consuming this content. And please continue to give us more feedback, more comments. Let us know what else you want and we'll promise to deliver. All right, we're out. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit Tom com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.